Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship weekly podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. My prayer and heart is that today the Lord would shape you and build you up and uh, that we would grow into more of His image today. So just a little bit about myself. Uh, as, a, as Jamie said, I'm James Albright, life group and missions pastor here at Christ Fellowship, and uh, been around this place for a little while and been on staff uh, for about 13 years. Uh, first overseas, we went and helped to start some a church in Croatia um, with a team and then came back about six years ago um, to, with the call to catalyze and develop missions here out of the home base. And then as well as that, just pushing forward in our life groups and the missional communities, the very heartbeat really of what we're doing here at CF. And um, my wife will be in second service, so you don't get the privilege of meeting her this morning if you haven't already, but she is incredible. Laura, 15 years, got three beautiful daughters, 12, 10, and 7. And uh, so if you're ever bored, then just come swing on by our house, because it's never boring at our house, so... All right. Well, we're going to continue on in our sermon series that we started uh, three weeks ago called Keep It Real. It's on the book of 1 John. And man, it has been fun. I I don't know about you guys, but I have been really blessed by this series. And uh, the reason that we chose that title, Keep It Real, is because the Apostle John, who was one of Jesus' disciples, he had something to say. And you know, the book of 1 John is actually really uncomfortable to read because it's so black and white. It is so, he does not leave room for gray. He doesn't leave room for our excuses is the bottom. That's why it's so uncomfortable. He says, this is of God. This is not. This is truth. This is a lie. There's no, nothing in between. It's just black and white or the other way, white and black. So, you know, he has got something that he's trying to say to us. And, and what, we've, what we've realized is that he is contrasting that which is real versus that which is false. And he talks about this over and over and over again. Just says it in different ways, but it's really, it's a theme all the way through the entire letter. At the very beginning of the letter, he talks about his own testimony And he says, you know, that which I have heard, which I have seen, which I've looked at, which I've I've touched with my own hands, this is what I want to proclaim to you. This is the message I've got for you. It's Jesus. I was there. I was with him. And and then, and 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 it's what he's saying in that is that, you know, this is not just a philosophy. This is not just a good idea. This is, and he's speaking to the Greco-Roman world who is, you know, full of philosophers, full of you know, pontificating and wondering and, and, and looking at the world, all great things. But when it's not based on the reality of Jesus, then it's just, it's lifeless. So what he was saying is, all that's fine, but look, this is what I've heard and I've seen and I've tasted. I know it's real. It's my experience. It's my story. And I want you a part of it. He says, actually, my joy will be complete when, I'm a, when you are a part of it. And then it's bookended, so that's the beginning, that's how it starts. And then at the end, he says kind of a strange little verse in, in, in chapter 5, verse 21, 
that says, children, keep yourselves from idols. And it feels like a little bit of a, well, that feels out of left field, to, you know, just a, or right field. Is it right field? Right or left field, whichever way you're, whichever way you're batting. So that feels uh, out of the blue um, to say, well, children, keep yourselves from idols. Um, but what he's, you know, that word, as Jamie told us, that word for idols, it means uh, in the Greek could also be used for ghosts or phantoms and that which is not real, which is we can't get our hands on it. It's not there. It's false. So from beginning to end and everything in between, he just keeps saying this. Keep yourselves from that which is false, from that which will distract you from Jesus. He is the real one. He is the one that we want. Anything that keeps us from him, we want to get, we want to be rid of that. And so because of that, we called this series Keep It Real because we really believe God is calling us to wake up and pay attention to that which is real and to say no to those things that are distracting us from him. So today we're going to be working our way through chapter four. Uh, and we could really say that chapter four is, is kind of the, the climax of the letter. Um, it's a, a culmination. It's like, it's like the, you know, the song has been building and we see kind of where it's going, but then all of a sudden it's like the conductor is just going, now everybody, bah! you know, it's the Messiah, it's, it's the hallelujah chorus of the Messiah, uh, Handel's Messiah. It is the, it is the culmination of all of this that, that John has been talking about. He brings together all these different points here into this one chapter. And if we could boil down 1 John 4 into just one word, it would be love. It would be love. And so therefore today, the, the title of the message is Real Love. Because again, we want to we wanna see real love and contrast that with what is that which is not real love. So we can see a clearer pathway forward for us. This chapter addresses some really important and relevant issues for us today. And it obviously has so much in it, so much theology, so much doctrine, so much reality for us that it is impossible for us to be able to, to walk through that here in one message. But in a moment like that, what you do is say, Lord, what's your word for us? And that was my prayer over the last 10, 14 days or so as I prepared. Lord, what do you want to say to Christ's fellowship today? What's the word? What's the message? What is it that you've got for us? And so I believe that the Lord's really given me something for us. And, you know, too, this, this comes together as we work together as a team. We've got a sermon planning team. So this is a, this is a joint word. This is something that we really do believe is for us as a church. So the burden that I sense from the Lord this morning is that I believe he wants us to walk in greater freedom so that we can love others. Walk in greater freedom. And the way that this can happen is by seeing and receiving the love, the self-sacrificing love of God for each one of us. You know, John's really clear in calling us to love one another. That's, that's clear all the way through the letter. I bet if we'd asked any of us here before this message, what's the message of 1 John? It would have been something about love, love one another. Something in there would more than likely be what we would say. So it's really clear that's what he's saying. But in this chapter, he's saying something very specific. And I, I really believe it's a strong word for us today 
that that love that he's calling us to give to others, that the only way we can do that is by being firmly rooted and established in our identity as loved children of God. That when we have received that, then we can give it. And that's a deep revelation that he's wanting to give us. I believe God wants to shape our view of him today, who he is, that he really is a good God who loved us first. Before we did a thing, he loved us. And when we are firmly rooted in our identity as loved children of God, then we are free to love others without any fear. So let's uh, let's let's the main thing here is we we can walk in greater freedom to love one another without fear as we see and receive the self-sacrificing love of God as seen in Jesus coming to us. All right, so will you guys join with me as we pray here for this time. Father, we just we delight in you right now. Jesus, we ask that you'd have your way in this place. You'd have your way in each one of our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would open, as we open up your word, you would shape us, you would make us more and more like you. God, we want to see what you want to talk to us about this morning through about love. So Lord, would you get me out of the way and Holy Spirit, would you move right now in the name of Jesus? Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to read... 1 John 4, together. It's 21 verses, so you all hang in there. But I think it's important that we, that we read it together. And here's just a simple thing that I like to do before I read the Word of God. I'll just pray this prayer, and it kind of like, wakes me up a little bit. Just pray this prayer. Father, will you shape me with the reading of your Word? And so I'm just going to have you guys just say it together with me. All right? You guys ready? Here we go. Father, would you shape me with the reading of your words? Amen. Here we go. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever listens, whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to, the, to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us 
so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot, isn't it? The Lord lead us. So there's a couple of things that I felt like uh, the Lord wanted to highlight here out of all of that. So that is, we are called to, and this is on your outlines, if you are an outline person, we are called to, number one, see and receive the love of God for us. See and receive the love of God for us. You know, God really wants us to see that he loves us. And, and uh, you know, I think he's just constantly pursuing us and trying to get our attention and tell us, I love you, I'm for you. And I think it really grieves him when we don't see his love. For, that he has for us. As a parent, I love seeing when my children are walking confidently in their, they, they know that, that, Ma, that Laura and I are for them and that we love them. And you can tell the difference when they're walking in that peace and in that confidence versus when they're, they're kind of getting, out, getting off center and getting out of whack. And if they, they begin to believe lies uh, about either themselves or about Laura and I, then that will, that will begin to deteriorate our relationship. It starts to tear it apart. Uh, in fact, it even builds up walls around them so that they can't, we can't get to them. And it's their decision. There's nothing really that we can do about it other than just keep saying, baby, we love you. And don't you know that all we have for you is good? We just have good plans for you. Everything we do. And I think, you know, God... Is, there's a similar, there's a, a way that we see God in this picture as well, um, where, you know, and John is addressing this in this chapter, that from the very beginning of the chapter, he started talking about the incarnation. And right there in those first six verses, he said, you know, he was talking about the power of the incarnation, which is just another way of saying that uh, Jesus came to us in the flesh. So let's read here real quick in, in verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So, okay, wow, he's putting a lot of weight on this. So this is not just a, some kind of a doctrinal statement. This is like 
if you want to know how to discern the, the Spirit of God versus not from God, this is it. It's about the incarnation. But why? Why was there so much weight and emphasis put on that reality that Jesus came to us? I believe John was trying to, to speak something to us. So let's read verses 9 and 10 to uncover it some more. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he's putting a lot of weight and we're starting to see a little bit more. So he built this foundation here in the first six verses. And now he starts diving in a little bit deeper and talking to us about why would he put this much weight on the incarnation of Jesus? And it's because this is how he showed us his love. This is, how, this is the expression of love. If we want to know what love is like, he just said it. This is love. Not that we loved him first, but that he loved us. This is love. That, 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 that I loved you so much that I sent my son Jesus to incarnate, to become like you, to take on flesh. In John 1 14, it says that the, the word Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. He came into our world and he met us right where we're at, right in the middle of the mess that we're in, whatever that is. John is addressing a false view of God here. He's trying to say, but because it's kind of funny, he says, this is love, not this. So he's addressing the false, but this. Not that you did anything to deserve his love, did anything to earn it. Not that you took the first step, but that he did. He's the one that took the first step. The false view says, I have to be the one that takes the first step. I don't deserve his love. If I don't take the first step, then I'm not worthy. It's, it's addressing an audience that in that time was into dualism where, where God was far and distant and way off. And anything that had to do with deities and gods, that was just far and distant. And every now and again, something that they did would affect us here, lowly humans. But he's addressing that false view of God. And the fact is, is that view still exists in our world right now today, right here in Fort Worth, that God is this far off distant God. I grew up believing it that way. He was this far off distant God. And every now and again, maybe something would happen that I would recognize and acknowledge his, his, his presence in my life. But he's saying, no, I've come to you first. But John comes straight at this lie and says, no, this is love. Not that you loved first, but he loved you. You know, even that phrase, I was thinking about it. Um, we say that phrase, I don't deserve, I mean, we sing it. We do, I don't deserve his love, those types of things. If Lizzie, if my oldest daughter came to me and said, Dad, I don't deserve your love, but thank you for giving it to me. On one hand, okay, th that's good for saying thank you. On the other hand, I'm heartbroken. Why would you even think? that it's even about deserving. It's not even about that. That's not the question on the table. So even before Lizzie was, was a possibility, even before she was even a thought in my head, she was loved and cherished 
and treasured. I can't possibly love her less. It's only going to increase the amount of love that I have for her. And in the same way, we are the, we are children of God and we have been offered an invitation. Will you enter into this? It's not about deserving. It's not about earning. It's about love. It's about identity. It's about who we are from before we were ever on this earth. It's about who we are. You know, in verse 8 and 16, it says that God's very nature and identity is love. It's, it's like saying, I mean, for all of us, it's like going the Grand Canyon's incredible. And you just like, yeah, I can't tell you. I mean, for all of us, for me, for us, I mean, if you were trying to tell me about the love of God, it'd be the same way. It'd just be like, yeah, it's big. <laughs> you know, one commentator said it this way, God is light, referring back to 1 John 1.5. But that light in its ineffable glory is invisible. And, but the essential form it assumes in the created world is love. So it's, it's, it's invis- he's invisible. We can't see him, but that the way that we can see him is in love. And how did he show us love? We just read it. This is love. He came to us. He came to us. Okay. So as we, this leads us in then to our, our next, you know what? I got to share this story. Okay. So, um, cause I think it really helps us here. A few months back, um, one of my daughters just had one of those days, just one of those bad days. And it was, you know, I could see it spiraling from the time I came home. It's like bad day at school. Some things were said, whatever it was. Then sisters said something, make her mad. You know, this kind of thing was spiraling. We're spiraling. We're going down. And then you've got to do your chores. Oh, no. Okay. We're just totally, we're tanking. All right. And you could see it just kind of building and brewing, and I'm trying to be sensitive to it. And at the same time, you still have to do your chores. Well, it just it turned into just walls up and on the couch, not moving, not doing anything. I'm not going to do nothing. And uh, and I just and so we were battling it out a little bit, and then I just heard the Holy Spirit go, "Give her a second. <laughs> That's probably a word for us as parents. Give her a second. And uh, okay, so I went over, just kind of did some dishes, and then I just heard the Lord say, "Go over, tell her who she is. Sit real close to her, tell her who she is." So I, I went over to her on the <clears throat> on the couch, and as I sat, you know, she turned her back to me like that, and uh, I just started telling her, I "said Baby, I love you." There's nothing you can do to separate me, to separate yourself from, your, from my love. You're a mighty woman of God. You're a passionate woman of God. You have gifts and skills that only you have, and you, are gonna, you have an incredible destiny in the future. God has prepared good works ahead of you to do. And just began speaking all this over her. And as I was speaking, I mean, this is like three, four, five minutes of me just saying stuff to her. And as I'm saying it, you know, her countenance 
It was incredible. It doesn't always go this way, guys. I'm just, don't get, don't get a false perspective on the Albright house. But her countenance just shifted from this to some eye contact to churning to arms open to in my lap and hugging me. I was like, wow, this is an incredible gift. You know, I just, tears are coming down my eyes. I'm like, this is incredible. Because I think this is what God does with us. He's, you know, we, we get funky. We all do it, right? We all start believing stuff about ourselves and about Him. We all start going sideways and getting off dead center. But then He comes to us and He says, hey, look at me. This is who you are. You can't do anything to change how much I love you. And he just speaks that identity over us. He's trying to get our attention so that our, we will churn and open ourselves up. And it leads us right in the next point because what she did was exactly what we are then enabled to do, which is she then was giving me love as a result of me telling her who she is and being rooted in that identity. So let's go into the second point. So we are called, therefore, to love one another. We are called to love one another. So built upon that foundation of our identity and his perfect love for us, we are now freed to love one another. As we've been saying throughout this message, all of this is built on the context that the primary action that we're called to as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to love. You know, Jesus said it in Matthew 22. What's the greatest commandments? Well, love and love. Love God, love others, right? It all comes down. This is the basic primary action. The problem comes, however, in that in us putting this into practice, because loving one another is not easy. We tend to have trouble sticking it out in a relationship when conflict arises. Read some <clears throat> statistics online, and 43% in this one survey, 43% of all divorces are said to have occurred because of a couple's inability to resolve conflict. And an even larger percentage was because of their, their difficulty in communication. In my mind, I don't know the distinction between those two things. I'd have to dig more to understand that. But resolving conflict and communication problems sounds really similar. In other words, we have a problem showing when we are trying to resolve conflicts, walking through conflicts in a peaceful way. And how does this translate into the church? Well, I've got bad news. The same issues are present here in the church as well. The top reasons for leaving the church, according to an article that I found online, were hurt by others, shame from a sin or some type of mistake, a power struggle, and lack of connection. All of these things point to unresolved relational tension. Instead of pressing into healing for a hurt or forgiveness for sin or selfless love or intentional connection, when things don't go our way, we tend to go into almost like a primal instinct of fight or flight, where we, we, we start swinging our fists at that person or we bolt. And these are primal instincts. This is, you know, as we, and as we all know, conflict is absolutely inevitable, but how we walk through that conflict, that's the difference maker. That's the difference maker. And a lot of times, you know, this is, 
This is what it comes down to for us in loving one another is that moment where it's hard. We can love someone when it's when they're nice. We and the fact is is you know when we love that person and they love us when we're all nice to each other, the fact is we probably haven't gone too deep. We probably haven't gotten past the surface. When you yeah Give us all times, give us all a little bit of time, and we're going to be a jerk to each other. That's right, I just called you jerks, and I called myself a jerk. So let's read um, again, just to, to highlight this real quick, what I want to say before we close. Verses 11 through 13, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And then let's read 16, the second half of it, 16b. For God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Okay, there is an unpacking here. You know, John didn't just give us this command to love one another. He didn't just say, hey, love one another, do the best you can, good luck with that. It was, he went on and he said, okay, this is how this works out. It works out because the Holy Spirit is going to come into you. And you are having, you are entering into communion and relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As you enter into love, you are entering into His nature, who He is. So again, then we come back to the rootedness that's required that we, we, the more rooted we are in who He is, the more we're able to give in a way like He gives. And so we're, we're, it's, you guys seeing this, it's an entering into the Trinity, into who He is. And it's an invitation. Our identity and our acceptance has been settled. But it's up to us to walk into it. It's like, it's, it's not just that we have to walk across the chasm. It's that He came to us. He came to us and He made the way. And we have to say, okay, glory to God, I'm in. I'm coming in. This is who I am. I just get to walk into it. I just get to walk into it. It's an invitation. There's great benefits from this. And some of those benefits we find in verses 17 and 18 says that this is our, our love will be made complete in this way because we will be loving like our perfect father. And this is also how we can walk in confidence on the day of judgment. We can walk in confidence in our relationships, because we are free of fear. When we are settled and centered, we're free of fear. Good news, isn't it? So we want to respond to this. So if you guys could just join with me and stand up. Worship team and ministry team, if you guys want to come on up, please. So, you know, this is something that we do at the end of each one of our services because we want to give us, all of us, an opportunity to respond to what God's doing in our hearts. Um, 
praying with somebody, there's just something about it that where we have, when we have that type of community relationship, we're just come and say, I just need you to pray with me about this. So that's why we do this. We want to be doers of the word and not just hearers. All right. So I want you guys to imagine with me what it would, what would it be like? What would it be like if we, if we jumped out there and loved in this way? What would it be like if we, if we stepped in deeper into the reality that he loves us this much, so much that he would come to us, so much that it is not dependent on our deserving or earning. It's about just who we are. What would it be like in our relationships? What would it be like in our workplace? What would it be like in our families? So I want you guys to close your eyes just for a moment here. I'm just going to take a couple seconds, and I just want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What's my next step in this? Just take a couple seconds. I do want to make sure and say here that if you're here this morning and you've not had an opportunity before, not taken the opportunity to say, I want to, I want to follow you, Jesus, with all of my life. I want, to, I want to give you everything I've got. I want to enter in for the first time into this relationship with you. Then please, today is, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. And come on forward and, and ask one of these guys to, to pray for you or someone that you came with whatever else that might be that the Lord might have spoken to you, you want somebody to pray with you about it, come on up. These guys are ready for you. If the front fills up, we have more ready to go. So just come on up. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for everything that you're doing. Lord, would you speak to us and would you make us a people who walk this out, Lord, in the reality, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, come on up. Whatever your need is for prayer, come on forward.